So I'm a little bit familiar with the area, and I'm talking specifically about the 29th Congressional District of the San Fernando Valley, and I was surprised to see the demographic breakdown of that area that was so high. It's 68% Hispanic, 18% white, 7% Asian, 3.9% black, and then uh, something else, you know. But essentially, it's overwhelmingly Hispanic, and they have not seen a congressman from that region since 1957. 1957. Imagine that. And so now there's a gentleman uh, whose name is Rudy Hernandez, Menendez, sorry, and he is going to be trying to unseat the Democrat Tony Cardenas. Cardenas. So we want to bring him on and talk to him about it because it's kind of important. I think we've got to, I think California is headed down the wrong road. Maybe you disagree. Rudy, uh, come join us here on the Robert Davi Show. Uh, how is it going? People will be voting tomorrow. Have you have do you have any indication on how well or how not well you're going to do? Any poll numbers? Hi, good morning. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it's a great opportunity to be here. Uh, I feel pretty good about things. You know, um, I think people know me in the in the San Fernando Valley and the Greater San Fernando Valley. We're, obviously, this contest focuses on the 29th congressional district, which is the northeast and southeast end of the San Fernando Valley. As you mentioned, the demographics favor us. Um, Hispanic values are conservative values. I'm a conservative candidate, and uh, we're excited to be on the ballot. I think, you know, it's going to be a tough contest. Nobody says it's easy to run for office. I know you know that. Um, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we have a great chance to advance through the primary tomorrow and be on the ballot in November. I want you to be so badly. I, I'm I, My first job was in an area not far from where you serve as a kid. Uh, I can't imagine, and I haven't been back to the Valley in a long time, a couple of years, but it, it just seems that, you know, you hear about people, particularly conservatives, that are, that are shouted out. I bet you you have a lot of people coming up to you as if they're in the closet with their conservative viewpoints saying, I really wish you well. Don't tell anybody. All, all the time. All, <laughs> all the, the time. time. All the time. Absolutely. You know, um, in 2019, my neighbor and I, we, we started a club on Next Door, Next Door Republican Club, so that we could engage with our neighbors that were still in the conservative closet, so to speak. Um, and I think more people are more courageous now. There are a lot of candidates, a lot of flagship candidates that we have in this election cycle, particularly here in Los Angeles County, that are empowered to uh, represent, you know, we're all conservatives. We don't all have horns and tails. We're conservationists. Um, I'm a tree-loving Republican, and I'm a California native. I'm, I'm actually pretty socially progressive, but I'm, I'm fiscally conservative. And and I think uh, my Hispanic values match the majority of the demographics in the district. I think you're right. I also know from my own upbringing that Hispanics tend to lean well, first of all, they have a general distrust of the government if they uh, if they are first or second generation because they know how corrupt the Mexican government has been for so many years, and including so many Central American. So they come here looking for an, a better way. You won't find a more patriotic American than a first or second generation Mexican who knows what it's like on the other side of the border. And they come here, and then they get preached to. And all of these 
these Democratic politicians think that just by the mere fact of allowing for massive illegal immigration, they're somehow going to win the hearts and minds of Mexicans to get them to vote for them. And, and I find that offensive. I find that absolutely offensive. Do you find that offensive, Rudy? I do. And, you know, we have groups now uh, in California, Lexit, the Lexit Movement, which is the Latin exit of the Democratic Party that, by the way, have, have endorsed me. Um, there are lots of Hispanic uh, conservative clubs um, throughout Los Angeles and California, the Los Angeles Hispanic Republican Club, who I also earned their endorsement from. You know, we are engaging with the Hispanic community, and I think Hispanic uh, values are conservative values we talked about. And, and this, 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 what we're reading, what we're learning about is Hispanic voters are, are, are shifting away from the Democratic Party in, in record numbers, particularly this year with all of the issues on our side. So we think we're going to do very well. We just want to make sure that our people, and, and then when I say our people, I mean everybody, you know, gets out and votes. You know, we, we, we're hearing about low voter turnout right now in Los Angeles County. As you know, tomorrow is Election Day. If you haven't already returned your ballot, you have until 8 p.m. tomorrow to be in line at your local voting center uh, and cast your ballot. Um, it's important. You know, there are, there are many of us that are uh, hoping, praying, and um, working hard to advance the November election. So we need your vote tomorrow if you haven't already cast it today. Okay, so let's say that you win later this year, you're voted in somehow through, I won't say it's a miracle, because I think generally what you have on your side, Rudy Melendez, is the disgust that people have with how things are going. Gas prices, California, one of the highest areas. Certainly, I'm sure you guys are already pay, paying six bucks, six and a half, maybe even seven and a half dollars a gallon. That's going to hurt people who have lower incomes, who live paycheck to paycheck. A lot of your constituents do. A lot of service workers do. I don't want to be, you know, paint with a broad, you know, stroke. But I imagine a lot of your constituents uh, come come are, are service workers. They work behind the scenes in, in the in the kitchens and and in the fields and construction sites. They're doing a lot of the work, uh, and, and they're supporting their families just like every other red blooded American. But I imagine they're pretty sick of the fact that leadership, particularly Newsom, Gov Governor Newsom, to me is a disgrace. Uh, these people that go to Washington. So what are you going to do when you go to Washington? What are, you, what are the causes that you that you see as your top priority? Well, there, uh, there are so many important issues right now. Um, but, you know, what we're focusing on primarily election integrity, public safety, school choice, obviously uh, national level, uh, energy independence, education, so important. You know, with, as you point out, record inflation, uh, 40 year highs right now, you know, we're going to fight to, uh, you know, push back on government regulation. We, we, we have to address the inflation issue. I was at the local farmer's market over the weekend, both in North Hollywood and Toluca Lake, talking to the vendors, they're concerned what the third quarter is going to bring them in terms of inflation. People don't have extra money to shop. He pointed out that Hispanics are work, they're hardworking people. They, they, they work hard, uh, you know, uh, in many cases, more than one job to provide, you know, good life for their, for their family. Uh, and it's very difficult to save money here in California with, 
energy costs as high as they are, the gas tax, a lot of, you know, yeah. more local issues, but everything, R- R- you know. Uh- Rudy, could you I'm hang on for a minute? I, 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 if Can I borrow Absolutely. you for like five more minutes? All right, hang on. We're of talking course. to someone who wants to make changes in California. Rudy Melendez. Stay tuned. The Robert Davi Show continues in just a moment. Oh. I'm Dwayne Robinson, LAPD. I'm in charge here. Not anymore. Welcome back. We are talking to Rudy Melendez. He is running for the 29th Congressional District in the San Fernando Valley, California, or portions of it. And we're talking about the elections in general, specifics about what he'd like to do if he can get through tomorrow's primaries. And then, of course, the November in uh, the November elections. Uh, and and so it reads in your bio, uh, Rudy, that and thank you, by the way, for stopping by the Robert Davi show. Uh, it reads in your bio that you spent 20 years in the movie industry, I'm curious uh, what area of the movie industry were you in? Yeah, Jim, that's correct. I, you know, I've had a, I, I think I've carved out a pretty successful career in the motion picture industry. I'm a, I'm in a Hollywood labor union. I work as a motion picture studio electrical lighting technician, at a major mm. studio, um, and I, you know, I love, I love the industry. I love the people that I work with. Um, you know, they're not, you know. Um, there are conservatives in the industry, um, and uh, you know it's been uh, it's been a great career, um, and I still enjoy what I do. I, I think I can still serve Hollywood and my community when we go to Congress. Um, uh, and it's you know it's a it's I, I'm a people person. I love meeting people. The thing that keeps this industry interesting to me is is meeting the people that come into it. Uh, it's a it's a different industry when I started, but uh, it's been you know uh, pretty healthy. Although it feels like it's slow right now for us uh, as an industry, but uh, you know those I think are issues that are uh, our industry is impacted by you know all the same things that affect the, uh, people outside of our industry: inflation, the cost of living. You know everything is more expensive right now for everybody, um, and that means you know more expensive to feed crews, to go on location, that kind of thing, to produce shows and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love what I do. I love meeting people, working with people. I'm, I think I'm a natural-born leader. You know, I'm mm-hmm. pretty good at building coalitions. And, and that's I'll something say, you have yeah. to be able to do in this industry because it's a, a, a lot of hard work with very little validation. And I'm not here for the validation. I'm here to get the work done. Well, you know, you've been the co-founder of the Next Door Republican Club, a conservative community organizer. I mean, you definitely got the right stuff. Uh, I, I do think that you have the, all the evil forces of California against you. I, I hope that you win because I want you to deliver a message to Adam Schiff that it's time to pack it up. I know he doesn't represent your area. Frankly, I don't know how he got in but has somehow has managed to stay in power. And I think he's one of the most deceptive people on the planet. So I hope that you win. I hope the good side wins. And tomorrow is a big day for you. So I want to wish you well. And how can people find out more about you? Thank you, Jim. Uh, I I appreciate that. You know, this election cycle, it's not so much about fixing potholes and lowering taxes. It's about good versus evil. Um, People can find me. Uh, it's pretty easy to find me in Los Angeles. RudyMelendez.com. Uh, you can call me, 818-761-1773. I'm also on sh- social media, Instagram, uh, Rudy Melendez for California. 
Uh, Jim, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, please uh, say hello to Robert, and uh, you know, I'll keep you posted. Um, uh, this has been a great opportunity to get our message out, and, and it means a lot. So thank you very much. Well, I appreciate you stopping by, and I'll, I'll look for uh, your victory, uh, not only tomorrow, but also in November. And we'll all give you all the support we can do. So feel free to come back anytime. Appreciate it very much, sir. Rudy Melendez, ladies and gentlemen, running for the 29th Congressional District, which in, covers a, a portion of San Fernando Valley in L.A. County. Thanks again, sir. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. So, you know, over the weekend, I was talking to Swade, and, uh, you know, one of the dilemmas that you have, and, and maybe it was a little spurred by the George Carlin biopic that they have that's running. They have it in two parts, and I watched the first part. And I and one of the things that inspired me about George was that he grew up, and he was popular when I was young. So he was, as far as I can remember, always seeing him on Johnny Carson and then, of course, Class Clown, which hit just about the time that I was in high school. So we were in, in simpatico with each other, and I really enjoyed. Now, I don't think that director Judge Apatow had a right to go in and rewrite some of the history, which is what they tend to do when they do these biopics, when they do these biographies. And they always try to go back and, and, and you know, make it look like it's a fight and it's about breaking ceilings and all this, you know. And one of the things that inspired me about George, what he dug down deep and he wanted to make sure that in his public performances, he was being as real as possible. And sometimes when you're in this business, particularly, I, I think to myself, you know, what is it that drives me to want to do something? What, what is it? it? Is it really politics? What is it that, that because everybody's talking about politics and I don't want to be the everybody. I want to be the somebody that goes a little deeper, that goes a little farther. So I've developed over the weekend the Jim Watkins Show dot online website, which will eventually host all of my archives of all of my podcasts and my articles. But my goodness, it's time to do something that's meaningful and takes a difference. So I want to ask you, if you, if you, what do you think is missing? What should we be talking about? Is it just about Biden and high gas prices and drag queens and and elections and and is it what is it that you would like to to hear on this program? Uh, it, you know, I think it's 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 we all are wanting to have that conversation that makes life better for everybody. But I think sometimes we get caught in the left right paradigm, and then that's all we're doing is arguing with our enemies, our political enemies. And then, as the old saying goes, you know, in an argument, the truth is lost. And I think there's a lot of lost truth. So uh, it, it, feel free to email me directly, voiceonthespot at gmail.com, voiceonthespot at gmail.com. And I'd like to get your input. W what is the direction that you think talk radio should be going in? W where's our next frontier? What is it that we're not talking about? And I mean a whole array of stuff. Should we be talking more about stuff that has to do with religion or or maybe you'd like for me to channel people and, and we could talk with ghosts. I, I'm, I'm being facetious, but what I'm saying is broaden your horizon. What's missing from the, the national debate? Uh, because I'd like to know. I mean, I could talk about religion and race and gender issues. As a matter of fact, I do want to I want to make a point 
about that very subject because there are a few things that in life that upset me more than children being exploited to make adults feel good. And I started to get a really nasty feeling in my gut when I started reading a few years ago how they were having Drag Queen Library Day at elementary schools across the country. And at first, everybody thought it was a joke. And then, of course, the latest fad, Drag Queen Bingo, uh, you know. And I, I started to think about how we're actually exploiting mental illness in our country. And I'm not sure why we're doing it. We're not only exploiting, I think, children in the most egregious way because we're basically exposing to them mental illness that's being normalized. And I believe that gender dysphoria is a mental illness. Something's not right when you have a person who doesn't want to be in the body that they're born with because if they don't want to be in the body that they're not that they're born in that means they don't like who they are they feel uncomfortable with who they are and they they've taken the position that well the solution is i must be in the wrong body i need to escape this body and get a new body now if that isn't mental illness i don't know what is that's a sickness when i was young and i would grow up and i would see people dressed in drag I, I, was, I didn't need anybody to teach me that something was wrong. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. We have a few more things we want to talk about, including the 10 creepy things that the World Economic Forum wants to do to America and the rest of the world. And we'll continue that in just a moment. But feel free to email me, voiceonthespot at gmail.com. I welcome all comments. Another $80 million right off. I guess it's time to start turning overhead. Welcome back to the program. Uh, so yeah, this whole thing about drag queens and kids, you know, we could talk about it because it's Pride Month. But I, I, again, I stand by my position that gender dysphoria is a mental illness, or at least if it's not physiological, maybe it's emotional, which means a triggered event. It's also PTSD month. Uh, somehow maybe the two are connected. It's just in my own experience, and I was just talking to my producer, Swade, uh, there is some, uh, I guess maybe before every before it became so politicized, there was an air of entertainment value. I mean, for God's sakes, Milton Berle used to dress up like a, a girl or a woman on his comedy TV show back in the 50s. So it's not like this isn't new, but what's different about it is that it seems to be specific to the sexualization of children and getting them to embrace their own ideas, getting in their head, uh, making them feel like, well, maybe I can do that too. And, um, you know, one of the things that they tell you, if you've ever gone to any kind of recovery program, is that a lot of times addicts like to surround themselves with fellow addicts because it, it, it plays to the affirmation process. It's a way of them feeling less bad about their own behavior because they have other people doing it so it must not be too bad and that's what I think is the issue partly partly the other issue is that we don't want to deal with the reality that a lot of people have a, a underlying emotional issues that they don't want to address for example the fear of getting into a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex 
or perhaps because they were introduced to a traumatic event. Maybe they have trust issues with men or women. I know that a lot of women who uh, go on to be gay or adopt a gay lifestyle uh, have negative feelings towards men. So you ask yourself, well, what is that? Where did that come from? Uh, so, But a lot of these things could be worked out with the proper therapy or the proper counseling, whether it be from a, you know, there's nothing wrong. But the, the issue, I think, on the grand scale is the divisiveness of the LGBTQ community. Over the weekend, I, I believe it was the Methodist Convention, some large group in the South, the Southern Methodist Convention, decided to break away from another religious group because the other religious group had decided it was going to start to embrace LGBTQ doctrine. Uh, and the Methodist said, no, we're not going there yet. So just think about a family. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little personal story. Let's say you're from a family, a very large family, and a very religious family. And what happens when a member of that family announces suddenly that they're gay? say at the age of 14 or 15, immediately the family is divided. Immediately the family is divided because you have traditionalists versus modernists. Uh, and the modernists believe that, you know, live and let live, let that person make the decision. Whereas the person on the left thinks, oh, this is sinful. This is going to lead to terrible behavior. Now, society and the media has taken the position of the modernist, that there's nothing wrong, that it's perfectly acceptable. And again, neither side wants to look at the individual and say, well, what is it that drove you to this position? Was there an issue that you're not dealing with? That's where I come down. That's where I say, why aren't we asking the question of why? Why does a person feel like they can't have a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex? What is it in their life that makes them feel that way? It can't be biological, but because they've already determined that you're not born with a gay gene. They've done a lot of tests on, on twins, for example, and they find that two twins grow up in the same. Very rarely does one become gay and the other isn't. So it's not biological, it's sociological. So we'll, we'll obviously have many discussions about it, but let's have that conversation. It is Pride Month, so why can't we have that conversation? And the co conversation I think we should be having right now across America, is it appropriate to introduce people who are suffering from gender dysphoria and making it seem as if it's normal behavior? That's, a, that's I think, a worthy discussion. But unfortunately, people get... Very, uh, what's the word? Offended by the notion that there's something wrong with somebody who wants to dress up like a woman and walk around with fake breasts and pretend that they can lactate or have a child. What's wrong with that person? That they've gotten to that point where they've, they've, they're broken off from the rest of us in terms of reality. And unfortunately, that's the way I feel. And if you don't like it, well, you know, what, what are you going to say? I'm not allowed to speak. I might hurt somebody. I might cause somebody to... No, that's not happening. So, a lot of shootings this weekend. Um, you know, the simple man solution, ban the guns. You know, in, in Canada last week when Justin Trudeau announced he wants to introduce legislation to ban all guns, guess what? 
All the guns sold out in Canada. Everybody went and bought a gun. If that doesn't tell you where the people are at, I don't know what will, but I think that's the wrong decision for Justin Trudeau. I think Justin Trudeau wants to make his country just like Australia. He wants to make it a Marxist country. And uh, I can't believe the Pope. The Pope should go. He should go like yesterday. He's going to go to Canada next month and apologize. He's going to apologize on behalf of the Catholic Church because they mistreated youngsters in orphanages in the 1850s, which we don't even know if it's true. Yeah, they found mass graves, but we don't know. Did those children die of polio? No, we just assumed that they were all murdered. Uh, It's unbelievable. Churches have been burning while they stopped after COVID hit. But for a while there, the government was letting people burn churches. Just burn them down. It's just... Anyway, so this is what the World Education Forum decided. The 10 creepiest things. We have a few minutes. I wanted to spend time on this. In 2010, the World Education Foundation in Davos uh, came up with a report called Global Redesign. And Klaus Schwab, who's the leader, says that the governments of the future and the people of the world should be managed by self-selected coalitions of multinational corporations, governments, and a civil society organization, CSO. Uh, He argued that governments are no longer the overwhelmingly dominant actors on the world stage and that the time has come for a new stakeholder paradigm of international governance. Here's what some of that governance would include. Number, Number 10, they would institute a program where they inject people who believe, or what he calls a silent global coup d'etat, of people who would work specifically to further the goals of the World Economic Forum. So what we have now in much of these major cities like Los Angeles and New York, San Francisco and elsewhere, Philadelphia, we have attorneys generals and district attorneys who have gone to a specific school. Many of these people have been been funded by George Soros, who's a key member of the World Edu- Ed, uh, Economic Forum. So many of these uh, uh, attorney generals and DAs that are letting these criminals on the streets are part of that same organization of the global redesign that Klaus Schwab spoke of at the World Economic Forum. So number one, they want to start instituting what they call puppets, puppet regimes, planting them in major cities across not only America, but elsewhere. That's number 10. Number nine, they want to use mind control sound waves. And they actually did a report on this published about how you can use sound to control mind and thoughts. Number eight, they want to use pills that contain microchips. This was part of the World Economic Forum's 2018 meeting where the CEO of Pfizer discussed that very thing so that you could measure whether somebody took their medicine or not. Let's see, number uh, seven, praising massive lockdowns, which they did. Uh, Let's see, what else? Number six, take a peek at the future. Uh, What else that they want to do here is they want to identify you by your heartbeat. NASA has invented a system that can ID you from your heartbeat using a laser. So basically, they want to increase for more surveillance. They believe a surveilled society is a safe society. Anyway, uh, kind of the uh, number four, recalibrating freedom of speech. 
An easy way to identify world leaders who are groomed by the WEF is through their incessant railing against free speech. So when you hear someone talking about the recalibration of hate speech or the prevention of hate speech or anything that restricts somebody or calls for censorship, people to talk about online violence, uh, this is in fact someone who is representing the furtherance of the WEF because basically they want to shut down free speech. Also tracking your clothes, number three. They want to uh, control your clothes. Isn't this, I mean, it sounds like something you'd hear on the Alex Jones show. But this is stuff that is really being discussed at these World Economic Forums as a way of controlling you. Smartphones will be in your body by 2030. You'll be born, and they'll just assign you a, a smart card or whatever those things are that they put in cell phones, and it'll just store all your data. And they'll just scan your arm or your head. And then number one, you'll own nothing. And you will be happy. Wow. It's amazing what these smart, well-educated, highly influential people are talking about. No one owns a thing. You no longer own your own music. Everything is on the cloud. That's one step. Anyway, don't want to bum you out, but that's just a few creepy things that our smart people who run this world want to do. Until next time, thanks for joining me on the Robert Dava Show. We'll do it all over again tomorrow. Have a great day.